And hey there, hi there, ho there, and a gracious good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back for another exciting edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast, where we discuss the joy and excitement of U of L women's sports. A lot of good things have been going on for the cards. Some things that we'll discuss that maybe aren't so good. Of course, the main factor right now is the lack of good or bad things. Cardinal action-wise in women's basketball. We'll get into that a little bit as well, too. But, uh, hey, we've got something we haven't had in a long time. We've got five people on this broadcast this morning. So uh, I'm going to feel like a guy dealing cards at the blackjack table. Okay? Yeah. In case you need to hit, how about you, Jared? Jeff, 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 Jeff. We'll have a lot it's of getting fun. crowded in this room, guys. <laughs> it is. It's just like, uh, yeah. take a number. If I yell at your number, you talk. But we'll have a lot of fun with it. Let's go ahead and kind of get into some introductions. We've got Daryl with us for the second week in a row. And I, I posed the question to her earlier, does height matter in softball? And so we'll let her kind of talk about that just a second. Um, Let me think. Do I think height matters? I don't. Because you mentioned Nicole Poof out and she's 5'5", and she took up a lot of space on the, on the field. I don't think height matters. Actually, I think being shorter is a bigger advantage because once you get in that um, batter's box, your strike zone is really small. That's true. Harder to tag, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And smaller people tend to be faster. Mm-hmm. That's very true as well. I need some evidence. Some I think that's very thing. anecdotal. <laughs> I just always thought Marissa Becker was like seven foot tall. And then to find out she was only six foot tall. Kind of a downer for me. It always seemed like she saw eye to eye with me. Also joining us here, we got Jared Anderson in the house with us. He was out last week fulfilling financial allocations. He's with us today. What's been going on in your world, Gerald? Um, not much over here. I haven't. Uh, uh, I don't have to work another Saturday for a while. I was off yesterday, and I'm off all after Christmas. So it's kind of a a nice little more relaxing time for me right now. Is it a thing where you can sleep in, or are you still waking up early? I, I try to sleep in. A lot of it is I'll be down visiting Katie in South Carolina, so it'll be uh, her family likes to get up a little early, so uh, it may not be sleeping in as much as I'd, I'd like to. Instant coffee, you better take it in a bunch of it until <laughs> they get that first pot brewed, buddy. Jeff McAdams in the house today. Jeff and I were kind of talking about a few things, and he was talking about the luxury of having his car hooked up to where he could do just about anything he wanted to inside with voice <laughs> command. Yeah, I don't use voice command with it. Is that uh, a Pinto you drive? Or yeah, yeah. Or is that yeah? Yeah, Explode Mobile. Yeah, no. <laughs> That'd be nice. As long as you've got a place to get your batteries charged, right? Yeah, yeah, that's which is it, that's a thing with with electric vehicles is that people that live in houses without driveways, like Daryl, for example, perhaps, you know, they can be challenging. So yeah. I have to fight over a driving spot or a parking spot. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope you don't have to fight over a driving spot, though. <laughs> I yeah, have that's. That usually involves insurance. So use your use your, your turn signals, Carol. Use your turn signals, please. The coffee's so. just now kicking in, guys. There you go. 
we're in for a fun 59 minutes and that was a coffee's kicked in and Daryl. <laughs> All right. So got with me Case Hoskins. Case Case pulled a ball here this morning. Uh, I fell asleep listening to music in front of my computer terminal and was out for about an hour and woke up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm missing the show. No, I'm not. I'm good. And Case fell asleep uh, before we got his article going there, but a good article today, Case. Thanks. Yeah, I, uh, I generally wake up at around 7 on the weekends and... Last night, before I was going to bed, I went to bed super early, too. I, it was a weird night for me. But before I was going to bed, I was like, you know what? I think I know what I'm going to write about to, tomorrow, which is usually a, a struggle on Saturdays with no games, especially when there's been no game for weeks and you don't have anything to write about. So I, I went to bed thinking, yeah, I got this great idea, and then it's going to take some effort, so I'll have to make sure I wake up and, and get to writing. And then my alarm went off, and I quickly ignored it and went back to sleep. So didn't get up at around seven and was scrambling That's one of the benefits of starting the show at 11 you can do those kind of things yeah. and then uh, if we were an eight o'clock show i don't know if we'd be particularly as chipper as we are as we <laughs> wait, wait, the wait, wait, wait. show i wouldn't be on it let's be clear <laughs> it, it, would, it, it would be me and probably jared and that would be it and then we would be making frank wicked <laughs> Frank wake-up calls to Daryl, Jeff, and Case. Hey, Case, you awake yet? How you doing, buddy? Hey, is that your dog? <laughs> Definitely have to write my articles the night before if we had to start the show at 8. Yeah. Do not disturb. <laughs> do you have a mute button for Skype? I guess you do have one for Skype, don't you? You can just a block button or something. You do that. So, But this is about the time of the show after we've been done our introductions that we get into our scheduling and Twitter information. Case has been handling that very well lately, so uh, pressure's on this week, buddy. What are you going to talk about? Yeah, there are actually a few things on the calendar here. Um, there's one still on the calendar for women's basketball, but it's just a postponed game. Um, the game against Miami officially being postponed, I believe it was yesterday, um, maybe Thursday, I don't recall. Uh, but the basketball on an empty court picture remains undefeated once again uh, for that announcement um today though the first rescheduled game for the men's team uh as they were able to shift that acc big 10 challenge game against wisconsin uh that one was scheduled to be last wednesday i believe um and is instead going to take place today at noon on espn2 uh, so i'll have to flip that one on during the during the show edit like I said, tomorrow's women's basketball game versus Miami uh, postponed. Uh, we can kind of think about the December 31st, which is the next scheduled game for women's basketball. That one's uh, on the road for the second time this year against Duke. Um, not sure if that one will be happening based on Duke announcing their closure. Um, it's just, you know, we're all just trying to take it as as the games come. Uh, men's basketball scheduled to play against Pittsburgh on Tuesday. It's interesting. This year I found myself saying they're scheduled to play for all these games instead of just they're going to play. Uh, scheduled to play against Pittsburgh at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. That one is on listed as Regional Sports Network, so probably won't get to watch that one because it'll be Fox Sports somewhere. And uh, those are not on YouTube. Thanks. <laughs> then we have the holiday, uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas, obviously. And... Um, the third holiday of the of the season, not Boxing Day. No, my birthday on the 26th. And I'll get the 
great gift of stress against a Kentucky team that Louisville men's basketball should have no business or no problem dispatching, and yet it will be close because it's a rivalry game, and that's the way it goes. Yeah. It's because Cal made the shots. (laughs) Yeah. He called the shots. (laughs) So that's it. Just uh, men's basketball on the schedule for this week. But that's more than nothing. Usually during Christmas week, there's not anything on the schedule. Um, as we move forward, Twitter is always the best way to keep up with the latest news uh, for these teams. They usually end up with announcements on Twitter before they even make it to the Go Card site. Um, so you can always check out the sidebar on the Cardinal Couple website. It has a nice Twitter list for all of the UofL women's athletics. And, of course, you can follow all of us. My tweet is at Best Case Scenario, BST case scenario Polly tweets is at cardinal couple jeff is at card couple radio for his uofl athletics tweets um at jeff mcadams for the uofl athletics tweets when he forgets to switch accounts and when he just wants to make personal <laughs> tweets daryl's at daryl faust four that's daryl with a y and one l and jared is at mr anderson jared and there it is boy that twitter that thing gets i had to shorten it up i can't i can't add so many comments to each person because it's getting longer <laughs> but you got it done before 11 10 and that's a pretty good time scheduling no doubt was the key there because uh, there just really isn't all that much going on as far as games on the floor and i i just real quickly i got the chance to listen to scotty davenport this morning talk about his cancellation game well, they were supposed to play MTSU over at Freedom Hall today. That one got canceled. And he said they spent 18 hours trying to find an opponent to come in and play and could not come up with a single one. Working the phone banks, emailing, texting people, everything they could think of. Uh, but they even tried to get in touch with South Carolina upstate and play, uh, not Becky Burke's team, obviously, but uh, the men's program down there no help there at all either so tough times are going on with it right now and i guess that's maybe where we can kind of start at here a little bit guys so we've had three in a row canceled now it's not looking good against duke honestly to get that one in on new year's eve in my opinion but what say you dear fellow partners on the show uh jared are we going to play this year is it going to be 2021 before we get back on the court I'm thinking probably 2021 at this point. Uh, you're starting to see more tests, positive tests throughout different teams, especially in the ACC. Uh, and then when you get to the holiday season and the, the fear with many of your players and coaches may be traveling to see family or spending time with family that they've probably distanced themselves from recently, uh, you're, you're facing a pretty severe risk that uh, people could either catch the virus or pass it on to other people. Uh, so I'm thinking it's going to be early January by the time things get settled down again, get everybody back to campus and in a, a semi-bubble. Uh, so I think UofL's next game probably won't be until their scheduled January 7th game, which will be at the KFC Yum Center, and, and hopefully that game will actually happen. You know, Daryl, we had last played Duke. And Jeff Wallace had made the comment, why don't we just stay down there and play him again in like two or three days and get that in and out of the way? Well, guess what? Our next game is supposed to be against Duke 
back at Duke again. This is kind of craziness, isn't it? It definitely is. At first, I wondered why we were playing at Duke twice this season. Did we ever get an answer on that? Supposedly, there was some kind of scheduling either with the ACC or with the KFCM Center that wouldn't allow us to play either of those dates at I think they they had had the graduation maybe planned. Ah, okay, okay. And then Duke Duke was the team that we got pulled to play twice. Okay. Well, I think it's, you know, I think Duke is going to be a little more cautious with us because it seems like maybe they could blame us a little for their positive tests, you know? So, you know, there's, there's, yeah, I I just think that they're going to be cautious. And like Jared said, the holiday season, it's just too close to Christmas and, and New Year's, and they might as well just, you know, try to start fresh in 2021. I think that's an assumption more and more people are coming to, but uh, Jeff, any any further thoughts on that? Do you think there's a chance we can get this New Year's Eve game in, and do you I actually mean, want to us play New Year's Eve? Yeah, I mean, there's always a chance, right? I mean, but uh, this the, the timing on Duke's announced paused uh, you know, we talked last week about the timing on ours with this Miami game and it that did end up getting postponed, that we would have been coming just out of that two-week pause period that they do for these right as the game was scheduled to hit and would have been playing, like, on no practices for it. Um, and the, the, from the Duke perspective, the, with the timing on their pause would be pretty close to the same thing for this New Year's Day. I think they would have, had, I think they have one extra day, so they might get a practice in. Um, you know, and that's assuming everything, you know, follows the happy path of everybody testing negative as soon as they can and get cleared and back to work, uh, back, back in the, uh, in the activities as soon as they possibly can. So any delay to that is, is probably going to torpedo that game. Yeah. Case, one of the things that I wonder about too, is how many good, how many practices do you need? If you've been off for a while in order to be ready to play a game i think it's tough to say um i haven't been paying attention um to a lot of the other teams around the country that have been going on pauses and how long they're taking between games uh was hoping to use the uofl men's team as kind of a uh, a weather mark but they canceled their game against nc state that was supposed to be scheduled for wednesday that would have been about five days of practice, I believe, uh, following their return. But it wasn't really clear why that happened. Uh, contact tracing didn't sound like there was there were more positive tests. So I think that they were fully prepared to play that game on the five days of practice. I don't think they would have needed that many either. Um, uh, one is obviously not enough. Uh, but the question with this Duke game, I think, is when did their actual pause start? I know that they officially announced it, uh, I believe, um, Wednesday or earlier this week, but it's not clear when that started because there was rumors about it, were rumors about it, like right after U of L announced their pause. So it's just really, it would make a lot more sense, um, I think to everybody, if the NCAA's rule was more, more clear and more consistent and reporting was 
more available. Uh, if if we could see teams across the country and see what they're doing and what their timelines look like, then we could have a better idea of being able to plan out these games that are you know, more than two weeks away and we're trying to decide whether they're going to be played. Uh, it's just it's really weird to tell. But as far as the question of how much practice do you need, I would think five days after your return to team activities, which would be, I think, based on UofL men's timeline, was two days of uh, small groups and individual workouts, and then that would give you three full days of practice or maybe two full days of practice and a walkthrough before the game that kind of thing. I would think you would want five days after your return before you get back on the floor to play a game. Five seems it's about right, I would think. I think you could do it maybe with three if you've got a bunch of players that have been practicing for a very, very long time prior to the layoff. It doesn't take that long to really get back into the swing of things, but I'd be more comfortable with five than three, I think. Uh I guess it's a matter of teams. Some teams can just pick it up the next day and go out there and say, hey, we're still going to go out and put 80 on you. Uh, whether that team or not, I don't know. And it depends on who you're playing also. But the, but there are games scheduled for Sunday. We are not one of them, unfortunately. But we won't be playing uh, some matchups that will uh, would hope will take place on Sundays. We started at noon. Miami versus North Carolina State at North Carolina State. Uh, I, I'm going to go consensus here and, I'm, and see what you all think on that when I see NC State wins this one pretty handily, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. I'm not NC getting State's any negative. So far. No, I, I thought they might get upset there, Paul. Uh, uh, their most recent game and then their... Their fourth quarter, one for the ages, was just incredible to stay undefeated. Oh, they absolutely blew out in the fourth quarter, didn't they? Yeah, big effort. An NC State team that uh, doesn't really have anybody that's an unsung hero on it besides maybe Kunane, who's playing great basketball right now. Other Mm -hmm. than that, uh, it's a bunch of girls named Jane that are going out there just simply whipping your butt. (laughs) Put it to you that way. That's the way it is. It's good team play. I love it. Yeah. And if you take a look at it, let's take a look at the schedule on it as well. Take a look at the standings. They're 7 and 0. Wow. Conference. I haven't been blundered yet. If I were to tell you that there's only three teams in the ACC that are still undefeated after two or three games, I know you know who two of them are. Who's the third one? Case, any idea? Is it Clemson? No, Clemson took a loss, unfortunately. Didn't Daryl just post this yesterday? The Qs actually took a loss to uh, North Carolina, which surprised me. Are we talking ACC or overall? ACC. ACC, okay. I said Stanford, so that was overall. Because it's... uh... Uh, because overall in the ACC, there's only two teams that are still undefeated overall. But in conference, there are three. It's uh, Louisville, NC State, and what Georgia Tech's actually in first overall because they've played four yeah. conference games. Wow. Yeah, Gerald, Jared rings the bell. Yeah. I was going to guess either Georgia Tech or Notre Dame, but I, I didn't, Notre Dame's not doing that well. But Yeah, not, no way Notre Dame. Yeah. 
three and three overall, one and one in conference right now. Uh, some of the surprises in the ACC, as far as the standings go so far. Let's, uh, hey, let's start with Clemson here. What about their start? Seven and one overall, two and one in conference, and uh, I think a team that probably all the coaches had in their lower one third of the preseason rankings for their squad. I think that's a safe thing to say. I know I certainly didn't have them going very high uh, when I looked at the schedule. And uh, the only ones that beat them were Pittsburgh. Okay. When you think of teams that could beat Clemson and beat them pretty handily, it was Pittsburgh who stood up. What about this Clemson team? You know, talk to me a little bit, a little bit about this. Jared, what's going on with these guys? Wow. There's uh, there's a lot of uncertainty this year, especially with this pandemic and games getting canceled and this and that happening that you almost have to take this season with a grain of salt. A lot of teams are uh, vastly unprepared or the uncertainty of what players are going to be available for use, uh, the question of different players and coaches testing positive. Uh, but we're, we're going to see some shockers on both uh, teams who are just doing extremely surprisingly well and versus the teams that uh, you thought should have a good year that may just completely fall apart. So I don't think it's really an an insult to say a team's having a bad year this year just because there's so much that's happened. In case take a look at this aspect, Evan and Darryl, you can chime in on this as well here. Mm-hmm. Clemson has played eight games overall. Okay. There's only one other team in, in the ACC that has played eight games, and that's North Carolina. You've got a couple of teams like Duke has only played four games so far overall. Georgia Tech only five games overall as we get deeper into this schedule how much is that going to affect kind of like when a good team goes up against a team that maybe not had played as many but just talk talk about the dynamics of this where games are getting postponed and canceled right now well one that stands out to me is florida state having played three games total and uh two of them were conference games so they really struggled with their non-conference schedule. You mentioned North Carolina, who's really interesting, sitting at 6-2 and two overall. They've won all of their games at home. They've lost both of their games on the road. Um, their two conference losses to Wake Forest and to uh, Miami are by a combined seven points. And then they beat Syracuse at home by mm, 24. Yeah. So... I, they're going to get a chance uh, if everything stays as scheduled. They're going to get a rematch against Wake Forest. So we'll see if that home and away split still makes a big difference. See how they do there. And then they're going to play at Syracuse as well, uh, both before the end of the year. So that'll be interesting to see if North Carolina is kind of uh, what they actually have going on. Whether they're just really good at home. They beat South Carolina State by uh, 70 points <laughs> but that's South Carolina Jeez. State um, but you know at home they've scored 90 points in all but one of their games so <laughs> this home situation for them is really interesting we had a chance to see how they would actually perform against what we would consider a very good team in Louisville uh, and then that was the first of the postponed games for Louisville so North Carolina is a very interesting team to me as for teams going up against each other with some big discrepancies in the amount of games played I think that we're just going to have to take every game as it is um it's you almost can't draw any 
inferences from past performance because it, it's going to be such a small sample size for some of these teams, like Florida State in particular. So it'll be really weird as the season goes on. And like you said, we get we get later into the season and you've got a team with 16 games played going up against a team with eight. How do you even judge those teams before going into the game? A couple of matchups, Daryl, on Sunday, which would be interested in your thoughts and opinion on. You've got Virginia Tech playing Virginia for the Commonwealth Cup. Well, no, that's football. I'm sorry. Uh, and also Wake Forest at North Carolina again. Thoughts on these? Yeah, it looks like some a rivalry weekend. I guess we're about that time, um, which makes me think about how Louisville's not going to be playing a rivalry game this year, um, which I think would be a good year to do that. <clears throat> um, but other than that, I just it's like Kay said, um, you know, it's hard to judge these teams when, you know, one team has played three games and then one has played eight. And just touching back on that, Florida State um, Clemson game when y'all talked about it I looked at the just some numbers from it Florida State like only shot uh, 20% from three which makes me think about think that they don't have any legs under them and that just makes me think about all the downtime they've had or the time that they've not been with their teammates and it's just like it it seems like that's going to be the case moving forward for teams if they can keep their endurance up and able to get the land the threes it's really hard to judge anybody else right now i think this year i think this whole year should have an asterisk mark next to it for the season for every single team because you can't judge anything any stat any record really and i think even even if we did win a championship trophy it would have a an asterisk next to it (laughs) because who was playing were they able to even get 60 teams to play or they even able to get 15 games in, sure. All that stuff for sure. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting here on the Sunday schedule, uh, Clemson, having a fantastic season, is bringing in Notre Dame. Now, Clemson has only ventured out of Little John Arena once this year. They're bringing in Notre Dame for a Sunday game at 3 o'clock. Uh, this one is on Network Extra, unfortunately, which I don't really like uh, me try to watch it a little bit of it just to see how they handle a, a Notre Dame team which is uh, three and three right now Jeff uh, I gotta go with my Tigers here what do you think Arthur's cheering for you do you think that the, the Tigers can knock off Notre Dame at home yeah I think if, if of any year to do it this is it the, you know Clemson's playing well uh, they continue to show slow steady improvement year over year and, and again this year I think we're seeing that I haven't seen them play in personally yet um but i've seen a lot of the reports and and impressed with them and, and notre dame still certainly struggling um so it's yeah i think there's a good shot at it i think it'll be interesting i think it'll uh it, it probably won't make news in the women's basketball world necessarily but i think people that follow it will, will look at it and go wow either clinton's doing much better or notre dame continues to suck or both or you know, and I don't, that may not shock a lot of people, but it'll be an interesting go, wow, yeah, okay, this really is going on. This is happening. The Nicole Ivy, let's get used to a new coach honeymoon isn't quite over yet. They're still trying to get a little bit of that worked out. 
another real interesting game I saw here just coming up on Sunday. If you're not doing anything and want to watch all these, is Pittsburgh at Florida State. Pittsburgh, who did knock off Clemson going into Florida State. In past years, I think we could easily say, ah, Florida State kills this team by 20 points, right? This year, I don't know, because it's an FSU team without Seminole Sioux. She's taking the whole season off to take care of her mom, who's infirmed and elderly. So uh, she's been such a strong profile for that program as a head coach down there. Pittsburgh, Florida State. I think that's going to be the game that uh, I'm going to kind of put to the gang here and see. And we'll just do this by picking the winner in this one. And then we'll talk about it in our next week's show to see how we did. Who was right? Who was wrong on that? I'll start with you, Case. Who's going to win this game, Pittsburgh or FSU? Well, unfortunately, we barely have anything <laughs> to go on for either team, really. <laughs> that, that, that's why I picked it. That's right. It's um, a challenge. I'm probably going to go with Florida State. Um, home games being what they are, whether they're fans in attendance or not, uh, especially leading up to a holiday. It's going to be the last game for these teams before the holiday, so they're ready to wrap it up uh, and get back. So Florida State technically even though their players are not from the area, most likely, they are technically closer to home because they won't have to travel back to their uh, university campus and then travel back to their homesteads. But Pittsburgh's schedule is also weird. Their wins, we mentioned the one over Clemson, but their other wins are over George Mason and Hofstra. Um, Then their losses are to Delaware and Virginia Tech. I, I don't know what to take from this pit. (laughs) <laughs> record so far so i'm just gonna pick florida state um just because like i can't even give you a good reason at this point i'm just going florida that. state. that's that insightful detailed reporting we love at a case so much i can't tell you what just give me the nose uh, all right jared i'm gonna give you this one and i know which way you're probably leaning because of you know katie and stuff but Pittsburgh versus Florida State. Hey, at least mine is not going to be biased. I just picked Florida State to pick Florida State. We know why Jared's going to pick Florida State. He doesn't he, want to sleep on the couch. I don't he, he hasn't made his pick yet now. What a thing. We've got to hear from the man. Hey, she, she's, down, she's down in South Carolina right now. She went home, so I, I could pick against Florida State and still have a nice comfy bed to sleep in. But no. Until she comes back. Good, good point there. But I, I do think uh, Florida State's going to be the better team there. They've, Florida State's always been one of the the better teams in the ACC, and it, even without Seminole Sioux, it's going to be hard to see them completely crash and burn. So, yeah, I'm going with Florida State. Taking the home team, always a wise move, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Jeff, these guys are so solidly in the FSU camp. Are you staying with them? I, you know, I – Years of watching women's basketball, and particularly women's basketball in the ACC, I tend to go to Florida State. But really, I see this as almost a coin flip this year. So just to be an oddball, I'll go with Pitt. I'm going to take those Panthers up there. I love it. Daryl just let out a, a cry of anguish there. <laughs> I think yes. I, to be honest, my, 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 my logic is only about as sound as, as cases is. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> Big I'm one. one of those people, if everyone's taking Florida State, I'm going to take the opposite. Why not? <laughs> so I have no idea. Two, and that, uh, 
that puts the casting vote on me here. The society vote here. Which way am I going to roll here? Be you might as honest. well flip a coin. I, I, I think that I could probably do that and make as much sense as you all have on your reasons for questions. <laughs> but, well, it's uh, your fault for picking a, the most random unseasoned teams. That would be a challenge for you all. And I, I, is that? <laughs> I was obviously right. Because I could have given you Syracuse and Boston College. I know what told you you were gone. Okay. But no, we did this. But in Pittsburgh versus Florida State, yeah, I've given this a lot of thought, at least 40 seconds now while I've been delaying here. Uh, home teams in the ACC do very well. This one is at Florida State. So for that very reason, I'm picking Pittsburgh. There we go. I'm, right. picking, I'm picking the Panthers, too, and hope that they can pull this one out. Because I'm also still a bit mad at FSU. You know, they've, they've beat us a couple times in the past, and it wasn't always pretty was Jasmine Jones would you know, if I picked up she would get highly mad at me. What? Well, everybody's got to be Florida State. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at Clemson's schedule here. You know, and they're seven and one now. We've been talking about that a little bit. I they could go to the they could go through. I could see through January seventh before they take another loss. They got Notre Dame and then Miami. They could be nine and one. Yeah. I think quite reasonably, that's possible. In Miami, Man, they've got a great coach, but yeah, uh, there's a good team. Uh, they've got some great transfers in at Clemson. Yeah. And some good ball down there. Yeah. I so, mean, on the seventh, they play Georgia Tech. I, frankly, I think Georgia Tech wins that one. But, you know, I, that's not even out of the realm of possibility, given 2020, what it's been like, and what this season is like heading into 2021. So let's, let, let's give the Tigers a little bit of credit here, because obviously they started out with Furman. Okay, yeah, that was a 40-point win and probably should have been. Uh, not liking Methodist, they played Presbyterian and beat them by almost 45 points there. So that was a big win, too. Uh, their next game was CLT. Charlotte. Mm -hmm. That will work for me, yeah. But uh, only winning that one by seven points. It was on the road, though. They brought in Mercer, won that about 13 and then uh, played COFC. There's another one that's got me baffled there. College of Charleston. College of Charleston. Yep. That is correct. Won that one by, what, 22? A 22-point win? Yeah. Uh, beat a Virginia team, which I don't understand what has happened to them this year. They've got a great coach. I guess they just got no talent, guys, or whatever, because they're playing very badly right now. Then the loss to Pitt, and then, of course, the win over FSU. And their last one, where uh, FSU actually had a chance to win that game, 72-69, Clemson beat them. But FSU had a wide-open three at the buzzer. Mm. Two seconds to go, and the girl bricked it. I mean, mm. didn't, didn't even get backboard, didn't get rim, didn't get anything. And then Clemson got fouled on the rebound, so they went and hit a free throw to win by three. There were about two at the time. FSU going for the win in that game instead of settling for the tie. So there you have it. Our can't fault that. Yeah, no, no, you can't. I mean, it just you know, it's a team that says, "Hey, we're going to win this thing now. We don't want to play five more minutes. Let's get it over with." Work for them. So we've covered the ACC in great detail. Let's get a little closer to home and talk about our own little. 
Cardinals in the WBB realm of things. We got the news today that Nia Green, Nia Green, All-American who came in here last year, decided to take a voluntary redshirt season. Sad ass. Well, she won't. Oh, no. Last, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking you were talking about with the transfer would have, would have to sit out. Not going to have to sit out with the transfer. That's correct. Yeah, sorry. But she did redshirt this last year and yeah. came back this year. Had some people have some very high hopes and thoughts and projections for her, but she was basically last in minutes played in the cards five games this season and has decided now that she's going to enter the portal. And since I'm not up on science fiction, kind of explain the portal a little bit to me here, Jared. What's going on with the portal? Shits uh, out blue and orange circles. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the transfer portal is the the, the time when, when players can put their name out there. for. Uh, it, it wouldn't be like recruitment per se, but uh, for other teams to go out and and take her if they're they're interested and when i was kind of looking out there when the news first broke somehow i ended up directly on a, a baylor fan forum and yeah baylor is pretty confident as you'd mentioned too in our group text earlier this week that they're going to be taking Nia green which uh, when you look at geographically where she's from and where her family is it would make sense for her to go somewhere like baylor which is also a, a top tier program uh, obviously nothing's been uh, announced yet, but now that she has entered her name in the portal, she will no longer be able to to play in games with Yuval, nor would she be able to continue practicing with the cards. Now, if things don't turn out the way she likes in the portal, answer this for me, would she be able to actually come back to the portal, or no? Yes. Uh, she'd be in the same boat as we saw with, uh, with Sagan Robbins and Lindsay Duvall, uh, where in terms of the NCAA size, yes, they could return. At that point, then you're looking at the decision by the U of L women's basketball whether they uh, wish to take her back or not. Which, to me, Jeff Walls has always been one of those coaches that, sure, if you you can't find somewhere that that's going to suit you best, come on back over here, and we will gladly take you on with us. Is was it a case of over recruiting in her case, guys? And I'll let you take off on this a little bit here. Well, she stepped over. Did they just go ahead and bring in better stuff? I mean, the girl was an All-American in high school for holy cow. And then uh, what do you think? I don't know if it's – I always struggle with the phrase over-recruiting, um, especially in uh, modern basketball where you can see all kinds of lineups and coaches are much more inclined to just put their best players on the floor. Um I think it's it's just a case of Nia Green's a very good player. I don't want to take anything away from her, but you have to show that. Um, you have to, to prove yourself in practice and force your way onto the floor. And unfortunately, she's just not done that. And if she's not forcing her way onto the floor in practice, then she's choosing to force her way onto the floor for another team, which I, I can't blame anybody who wants to get more playing time. Um, I switched away from my preferred position when I was in high school uh, on the on the soccer team after playing on the team for four years, I switched away from my preferred position because I wanted more playing time. I, I mean, I get it. I completely understand. I didn't switch schools, but I switched positions. So 
that's not really an option that you have in basketball. Uh, I don't think she can just decide she wants to be a, a center and say she wants to get on the floor that way. But, you know, it's just the way that it is. Um, there's a lot of guards on this team. They're really good, and Jeff Walls would not be afraid to put four of them on the floor all at one time if, if Nia Green would show that she's deserving and capable of, of carrying her weight that way. And that's just not what he's seeing in practice, apparently, and not how she feels going forward. So I wish her the best uh, wherever she decides to go. And if she ultimately decides to stay, which I would call incredibly unlikely, but if she does, then, you know, happy to have her, happy to see her develop as a Cardinal, but we'll see how things go. Daryl, did this surprise you? I, I was going to say, I you just never know what's going on in these kids heads I th- I've said it last week this this year has put people in a lot of different um, scenarios that they might have never imagined they would be in maybe we don't know what's going on with her family um, if they're possibly suffering at home and she just feels like she needs to be there um, so maybe that that anxiety over this past year has been in the back of her mind the entire time and maybe that is why it doesn't like like case was saying her motivation and practice to be seen is just maybe not there. And, you know, it's just kind of like a domino effect. And, you know, Coach Walls said that she approached them with this idea. And I was going to ask Jared, so she can't go shop around at other schools before she says she's officially in the transfer portal, correct? Is that? Technically, yes. Uh, you're, uh, you don't, it's not like in the, a business or a, a workplace where you've already signed a, a contract with somebody. Uh, so, or like with the, the NBA, NFL, where you, you can't really shop around while you've still got your contract until you let your current employer know in terms of, uh, your, your sports that, Hey, I'm going to go look, look at these other places mm-hmm. uh, in, in college. You're especially financially, everything is set and your eligibility is all set between the NCAA and the school you're currently playing for. Right. Uh, so at that point, you have to disclose with that with your current school, like, hey, I'm uh, planning to uh, look elsewhere. Yeah. You, you don't have to provide a reason. I know it's more respectful uh, and looks better when you're providing reasons like, hey, I'm, I'm choosing to... Uh, enter the transfer portal for this, this, and this. I mean, it, I guess it would look kind of bad if you say, hey, I'm entering the transfer portal, but I'm not telling you why. But yeah, yeah, you can't just go out and start meeting with other coaches and programs to say, yeah, I haven't told you though yet. I'm leaving, but I'm interested in your program. Yeah, I think overall that would be a bad look anyways for her and any other school that was interested in her if she didn't do, if she didn't go that route. Right, you, you want that transparency and the honesty there. Because it's going to reflect on you going forward, too. Yeah, and if she doesn't end up anywhere else, that would make it more awkward to try to come back. Right. Yeah, and I think, like you said, Coach Walls would would welcome her, welcome her back. There's a reason he asked her there in the first place. So, you know, he obviously sees something, uh, some potential in her game. But, you know, like everybody else has touched on, it makes sense when you want some more minutes and who knows what her family is going through. Sure. All right, I'm going to throw an uh, impromptu pop one quiz question to Jeff here. Cardinal couple quiz question, Jeff, for you only. Okay. 
Aaron DeGreat, Sierra Johnson, Nia Green. Besides leaving Louisville, what else do they have in common? They're all from Texas. And ding, 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 ding. He hits it. Nails it right on the button. So what is it with the Texas connection and the Cardinals here? It doesn't seem to be working very good, bud. What's going on? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it is an odd coincidence, uh, I think. But I, I do kind of think it is really just a coincidence. Um, I hope it is. Uh, but uh, it is interesting, that, that connection there. I, I, I can't put anything significant on it beyond that. I think Texas, like Louisville, has a lot of um, emotional ties. There's something about people from there. They're just, it's a big place, millions and millions of people. So there's something, you know, just a, a home feeling to it. And I, you know, I can't say I don't understand. Do you think she ends up anywhere else beside a Texas school, like a Baylor or maybe? You know, it's like maybe an SMU or Texas Tech or Texas A&M, even Texas University of Texas. I don't. I really don't either. But I'd be interested I can, in your I can see something like maybe in Arkansas or something that's maybe not in Texas, but close by. I don't because it, it would defeat her reason. Her reason was wanting to be home closer yeah. to her family, right? Sure. I just think it would look really weird to go to anywhere but a home school. So, uh, yeah. an Oregon fan, you're probably not going to get Nia Green. Good thoughts there. <laughs> but uh, certainly wish her the best wherever she ends up. I think she'll be a, a benefit wherever she goes, and I hope that she does find the playing time that she's seeking mm-hmm. for anybody who ever does that as well. Also, got some interesting news about Amina Ekeke. We all kind of knew this going into it. I'll kind of start with Case on this one here. Uh, she did officially announce, uh, guys, on Instagram that she is uh, not going to return for the proposed spring season of soccer here. Uh, we saw this coming, though, didn't we? Yeah, and what's interesting about this one, we talked a little bit earlier about um, the likelihood that she ends up at Racing Louisville, which we'd all like to see. Uh, she'd probably love to. Uh, end up there because it's her hometown. A uh, new team would be a great opportunity for them from marketing perspective uh, and fan relations perspective. Great opportunity for her to get to stay home and still continue that career. And what interests me about her announcement is that that she went ahead and said she's foregoing all remaining eligibility to pursue her professional career. Why that interests me is because the NCAA has granted a waiver, uh, approved a waiver request, that players can enter the NWSL draft, and then if they don't like where they ended up, they can return. Uh, They can just withdraw their name from that player pool uh, after the draft and return to play in this spring season. Hmm. Or potentially, oh no, sorry. They can elect to play in the spring season and sign their contract afterwards. So they would retain eligibility. What that makes me think is that Amina has some assurances um, from some team, whether that's racing Louisville or not. It would make me think that she has some assurances that she's going to be selected and she wants to go ahead and report to that team uh, and not play in that spring season based on the fact that she would be allowed to if she wanted to. I don't know that for sure, but if you look at it 
Louisville has the most picks in the draft with five uh, because they're the new team. Uh, a team like Kansas City has three picks in a row in the second round. Um, so they'd have uh, a good opportunity to, to get a batch of players that they really want there. Um, I, I think she's definitely around two or three player. If you look at some of the, the player lists from the past season, um, you can look at top drawers list from the postseason of last year. They didn't put out a player list this year, but she was number 25 in the top 100 from last year's postseason. She's tied for 24th in soccer wires um, rankings from this season, and that's based solely on this season's performance. So you would think she would be ranked even a little bit higher because her season this year was not as stellar as some of her others. So she's definitely going to be a player that I would think would be available in that uh, pick 11 to to 21 range, which is, like I said, two picks for Louisville and three picks for Kansas City, I think is probably going to be very interesting to see where she ends up. But I think she is going to go ahead and report wherever she's drafted. Hometown kids help attendance too. Let's not forget that. Yep. Hey, Jared... What is Louisville going to do without her this spring? Because she was the one up front. <laughs> struggle. <clears throat> definitely struggle a little bit. Excuse me there. Uh, she's been that leader since she stepped on the pitch her freshman year. She made an impact immediately. And Louisville's been able to ride her a little bit in terms of offensive success and then her impact in the midfield. She may not be the biggest vocal leader out there but she led by her work ethic and her skills and just her overall performance and the the team really looked up to her and respected her so that's a it's gonna be a a big change to find someone that's gonna replace her as well as just the the level of talent that she has because you don't come across a lot of players like that so it's gonna take take a little bit of time for them to to find that next let's say superstar and it, it may be a few years before our next Amina Ekic shows up. So does Karen Ferguson days and basically a, a change the attack lineup now now that the one that she was featuring up there at the top is gone. Oh yeah, absolutely. You've got, <clears throat> excuse me, still waking up here with that, the morning call. Uh, you've got players like Delaney Snyder. Who's, who's made some impact in there and, it, it appears that uh, Taylor Kerwin's coming back. I know she scored a few goals last year. Um, you've seen Sarah Hernandez score in the past, but those have always come off uh, set pieces. Uh, so I don't know if maybe they try and involve her a little more in the uh, in the game offensively, even though she is a center back. Maybe coach tries to rearrange that. Maybe we see Maisie Witset move back up to the, the front because I think Maisie may have moved back to the, the wing back as Case mentioned earlier that she just wanted more playing time. So maybe she'll switch some stuff around. Uh, but there's there's plenty that they're going to have to look for to replace. And the transfer with Jess Dave Filippo uh, makes that even tougher. Yep, I've got to agree with that as well. We'll see what happens with it. Interesting for spring sports and women's soccer from those aspects. All right, we've got a little time. Let's have a little fun, shall we? It's the holiday season after all. You mean we weren't having fun? (laughs) (laughs) You don't know how painful it is on the sand, Daryl. 
now. <laughs> of course, we actually always have a very good time here, but let's have a little holiday fun instead of UofL joy and excitement sports fun. I sent a, a text a little earlier to the gang asking them to do three things for me. Drop off loads of money, start my car for me, and feed me breakfast, and nobody showed up. No. The three things that I asked them to consider. Their favorite Christmas movie, their favorite Christmas song, and their favorite Christmas food. So, we've certainly got three aspects here that I hope they've got some opinion on. You can play along at home and see what you think, too, whether... You know, Jeff was crazy about that, or Daryl doesn't know what she's talking about on this one. But let's go ahead and, and, and let's uh, well, let's go ahead and start it out with Daryl. Daryl, what is your favorite Christmas movie? All right, so I had a thing about this one this morning. Polly got me up thinking about stuff <laughs> on a Saturday. <laughs> uh, Darn that guy! <laughs> I think I have to go with the classic uh, A Christmas Story because it's just something that's been in my family forever. Like we had, um, we would act out scenarios from the movie. I think we <laughs> quote the movie all year long, and you know they play it on TV. Um, you know, for 24 hours straight, I could watch it the entire 24 hours. I could leave it on that channel and just be happy. Um, you know, the Bumpus scene we did as a kid. I got my dad a, a major award leg lamp and then put it in the, I put it in like a crate and wrote Fragile on it, stuck it with straw. Like all, it just, it's, yeah, it's got to be a classic in my family. Fantastic. My mom would call us Ralphie and Randy and my little piggy and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, and I was a Scott Farkas in earlier life too. So, yeah. Gosh, Scott, Scott that, Farkas. <laughs> that rings well. All right, we've got your movie out of the way, Daryl. What's your favorite I Christmas keep song? <laughs> my favorite Christmas song. Um, I don't really know the title of this one, but it's the one that goes. Do 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 do. Do, 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 white do, Christmas? Is it just White Christmas? Yeah, that scene, that scene in the Santa Claus, which is was a close <laughs> runner-up for me. That's how I know it's Christmas when I hear that and see that scene in the office. <laughs> Wasn't that in Home Alone too? If I remember right, maybe it was probably. Mm-hmm. All right, a very good song that uh, I like that would do kind of nice little rhythmic beat to it. All right, we're going to give you one food for Christmas, Daryl. What are you asking for? I couldn't think of a Christmas food. Like, what is a Christmas something food? You want, something you want to see on the table Christmas Day that you look forward to every year. You know what's going to be there, and your, your lips are kind of like smacking. Oh, I'm going to oh, the mom, I'm going to have this. And I know it's going to be on the table kind of food. So I think then I would say, and this is like a holiday food overall. Like, I'm going mashed potatoes. And I don't really call it Christmas because I had mashed potatoes last night. But right, okay. I get excited for mashed potatoes, and I'm just going to stuff everything else in the table, <laughs> on the table, into the mashed potatoes. Even the cranberries. Whatever. It's going in the taters. The rolls, you, the turkeys, all of it. And you got to cover them with gravy, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, three, three solid picks there. Darren, come Daryl is coming in strong here with her picks here. Jeff is going to be hard to follow up on this one, but you're up next. Your Christmas movie. 
Uh, I'm going to stretch this one a little bit because I'm not a big Christmas movie fan in general. I mean, Christmas Story is a strong contender here. I mean, let me let me credit that absolutely. Uh, but I'm going to stretch this category a little bit. I'm, I'm going to go with with the TV special. I actually have our TV special. I'm not going to stick with feature length. Uh, for me, it's the classic animated How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, yes. I mean, it's. I think it's an underrated. Uh, as much as people love it, I think it's even still an underrated. Uh, the story and the and the and the, the meat to it is is great. Plus, you get Boris Karloff, uh, yeah. and you get an uncredited Thrall Ravenscroft doing the the Grinch songs. Um, I mean, that's fantastic. Uh, animation by Chuck Jones, uh, who's just an amazing animator. So, yeah, it's uh, I, that that for me is kind of that that makes it Christmas for me. Jeff, I have a follow up. Okay. Have you watched the other versions? The like the Jim Carrey version? The Jim Carrey I'm... and there's a newer one that I think came out last year. Oh no, I haven't seen the, the new one. Lorax animation DreamWorks kind of situation. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I have not watched all of the Jim Carrey Grinch. Um I've watched some of it and and that it didn't particularly enjoy it, to be honest. I thought it was I thought, you know, because the the story is a half hour story in the special and they tried to stretch it out and yeah. You know, fill it with physical comedy, and if and if you want to fill time with physical comedy, goodness knows Jim Carrey is the person to do it. But it just didn't work for me, which is fine, and, and some people love it, and that's great. I ask, I ask because apparently kids are afraid of the original Grinch, which I can see how he'd be a little scary. Yeah, but yeah. he's still like. Well, I can see it. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I as much as you lose, or as much as as people love the Jim Carrey Grinch and Jeff is not one of those people but uh, a lot yeah. of people are as much as people love him I think you lose some of the Grinchness as it were without that that just original animation the yeah. the hair curling and the big animated face. grin just yes. stuff that is not matchable um, <laughs> and even in the new uh, Lorax style animation Grinch it's just it's not there this the original I, I agree with Jeff is is pretty top notch. You gotta have strong Grinch ability. Yeah. Gotta be there. All right, we got Jeff's feature movie there. Uh, how about your Christmas song that you love to hear? Uh, I'm, it's hard to pick just a, a single song. Um, I, what I will say is for Christmas music for me, uh, I recognize this was something I discovered about myself uh, a number of years back. For me, my favorite Christmas music always includes the notion that Christmas is not always just this perfect, wonderful time for everybody, that there's, there are still challenges in the world. There are still difficulties. Some people have a really tough time with Christmas. Maybe they lost a loved one around Christmas time. It brings those memory back, memories back, whatever. You know, people are still struggling financially and in, in, in their lives, and it, the Christmas can then be a stress in that case. So songs that acknowledge that maybe everything isn't quite completely all right in the world seem to really resonate with me. I think this is a little bit of my cynicism coming out. So um, like a, a, one example that I use is, is we need a little Christmas. Uh, that song is a very upbeat song, very peppy, very happy. In yeah. Style. It does not sound like Jeff to me. <laughs> well, but yeah, but, but if you think about it, 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 the story of the song, it comes from Maine, the musical, right? And the story of the song is these kid, two kids are, are spending time with their Aunt Mame, who has been fabulously wealthy and lives, you know, fancy, glamorous, glittery lifestyle. 
but it's set during the 1930s in the Great Depression, and she's fallen on hard times. And so the story of the song is we need a little Christmas to cheer us up in a situation where things aren't all that great, right? Aww. So, yeah, so while it's a happy song stylistically, um, there's just that little acknowledgement that that there's, you know, being Christmas doesn't paper over all the problems of the world. So uh, another one I like is that's very different stylistically, uh, the Royal Guardsman, Snoopy the Red Baron, right? Oh, Still classic fun, classic right? Still Christmas, kind of fun, my friend. Yeah, well, it's set in the middle of World War One, right? As the story, right? Just a, a, the largest, probably one of one of the most deadliest wars in history, is the setting for this song. So, yeah, it's you know, it's upbeat and it's positive, but it ends with you know these two, you know, Snoopy and, and Baron von Richthofen going off expecting to meet each other again and try to kill each other again in the future, right? I mean, there's there's a little bit of a downbeat in there. So yeah, always a little bit like that works for me. Thanks for cheering us all up, Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I do also, Vince Guaraldi's, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas album is just sublime. And there's that's generally pretty upbeat and happy. So that's I'll, I'll go with that one to keep the spirits light. It's a good thing we're getting Jeff out of the way. This is like a monologue, you know. Sorry, I have opinions. Wait till we get to food. I have opinions. Well, well, food's next for you. Right. So I'm going to limit you to one food, okay? Yeah, you no, I was going to stick with one food. You can't go into a 14 food dialogue here. Right, no. I, I, what, table, I, what do you want? What I will say is uh, traditionally, you know, turkey is a big Christmas food. I think, and this is my hot take, and it's not just about Christmas, but I think any place that you use turkey, ham is better. Wow. Yes. Right? <laughs> okay. Hey, some people don't eat ham for religious reasons. No, I get that. I, I totally get that. I want to respect that. But from a taste perspective, I think it's better. So, yeah. Do you put gravy on ham? Sure, why not? Weird. It's a little odd, but it's, it is good. I'm going to get into I've had, the ham aspect in a little bit here when I go to my stuff, okay? Yeah. But we're going to see right now Jeff's ham over turkey. Yeah. Fair enough. Try, try ham Alfredo sometime. It's quite good, actually. Oh, my. Yeah. I was going to have a ham gimlet, but, you know, yeah. kind of salty. All right, so let's go to Case next year. Case, let's start you out. Favorite Christmas movie? So I was struggling to decide. Um classics uh i think ones i have to watch every christmas um are elf and fam or christmas vacation uh actually went to the drive-in movies the other night and saw elf and christmas vacation on the same night that was a lot of fun but my favorite christmas movie i'm going to say is the nightmare before christmas uh i'm a weirdo that has a jack skellington mug at my office and it gets used twice a year for two months october and december because it is both a halloween and a christmas movie and neither holiday is complete without watching it i like it good good very good there uh, a song uh my favorite christmas song is um it's a very interesting version of uh santa claus is coming to town um but it's from an old we had these stuffed like singing things when I was a kid. We had one for Easter and one for Christmas, uh, and it's just a rock and roll uh, bluesy like ZZ Top like version 
uh, of mm. Santa Claus coming to town. So that's the one for me. I like a Bruce, I guess. Springsteen kind of take there. It's it's very I it's indescribable. <laughs> it's a product of I think the eighties, and that's where it's the only time in history it would make sense. Is this little toy that vibrates and shakes violently and sings about a rock and roll Santa coming to town. There you go. The Easter Easy. version raps. Uh, it's Peter Cottontail, a rap version. So it's it's similarly <laughs> strange. I can only wait to hear what your food is now. Oh, I'm really going to throw you off. My, Fire away. my favorite Christmas food is cookie cake because uh, it's my birthday the next day. And so that's the, the, hey, that's the my mom's birthday. thing that I look forward to the most is... <laughs> Getting through Christmas Day because the next day is my birthday and I get cookie cake. So that's what I'm calling my favorite Aww. Christmas food. Oh, fine choices. And I've had a cookie cake before. Yes, I've got to agree with you on like that. It's good stuff. All right. So I'll bring in the young pup with a bunch here. Jared. Jared, I know you've been listening to all these with your mouth drooling and ideas just busting out of your head. Your Christmas movie. I thought about uh, sparking some debate and saying Die Hard just to <laughs> I was waiting for it. To, to let a, a nice little uh, argument get going here. So maybe that'll be, I'll, I'll ask that sometime this week just to let the comments roll in. But no, I'm a big Christmas Vacation fan. I, I think that's a nice classic and there's just so much comedy in it from, from start to finish that it's one I really enjoy watching. And then something about that movie, which is so funny, besides Randy Quaid, who, who steals it for me, is that Julia Louis-Dreyfus was in that movie, and a lot of people don't remember that. Seinfeld. Remember she's her one of the best right. characters in the movie, because she's just she always is. so mad at Todd, who has yep. done nothing wrong, but she's just furious at him for everything. <laughs> and when she goes <laughs> to the door and the squirrel jumps on her chest, that's you got to love stuff like this. Okay. All right, we'll get your movie down there, Jared. How about a Christmas song? Yeah, uh, there's plenty of Christmas songs. There's mo most Christmas songs I enjoy listening to, and I'll probably go on a rant later this week about ones I, I don't like. Uh, but I think uh, the Straight No Chasers version of 12 Days of Christmas, which good. usually finds its way to 106.9 every once in a while, but they've been in town before, so I have gotten to hear that live. Yeah. Uh, so I, that specific version of that song is probably my favorite straight ad a lot of repetition but it's a fun song to sing isn't it yeah especially when oh, you get yeah. around seven or eight you can't remember exactly which is which okay <laughs> yeah. all right you're at the table what's that go-to food on christmas day for you i'm siding with jeff on this one ham the whole way yeah okay. yeah the boys are selling on ham so i'm gonna go ahead and break this out now then i was gonna wait till later but each one of you guys is it a city ham or a country ham Oh, country ham. Country ham is but the best ham of everything, but yeah, I'll eat any I don't care. Ham. Yeah. Okay, cool. I got okay. a country ham for Christmas one year, actually. It was great. And the country ham was going to be mine just to get to mine later on, but no, that, that's fine. I will go ahead and go with another food there. As for movies for me, and I had get, give this one a lot of thought, but uh, it's a little movie about Two of my favorite actors in it, in Bill Murray and Rick Moranis, it's called Scrooged, and uh, a classic movie about the holiday season. Karen Allen makes a nice appearance in that too, about what it really, what, what does Christmas really mean? 
and uh, just some hilarious and funny scenes in it, and some very poignant scenes too. Bill Murray and Scrooged would be my movie to pick. Up. As far as a Christmas song, I'm a little older than you guys. I go back to the old traditional standards and favorites, but uh, hearing Bing Crosby sing "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" mm-hmm. can good. always uh, get a little tear up in my eye listening to that one. It's such a great song. Food. Well, ham got taken early. Popular choice. And it is, and it's a very good selection. And I am bringing Nan this year, so it'll be a good one. But, you know, I'm going to go to a sweet potato casserole. If I get a good sweet potato casserole in front of me, I'll go in, I'll go in there and look the bowl. I really will. It's good. That's stuff. a very local choice, too, apparently. Yeah. They don't do that everywhere. If you get a good sweet potato gas roll that's done correctly, that's right. You're not going to find a good Kentucky one in somewhere else like, say, Arizona. And when I talked to my aunt out in California about it, she goes, what's so special about that? I mean, you're just eating a sweet potato. Well, you ain't headed the way my girl cooks it, so there you go. But, we would have a very interesting potluck. Well, there'd be a lot of ham there. <laughs> a lot of ham. <laughs> ham yeah. and cookie cake and sweet taters. <laughs> and maybe some crescent rolls on the side, you know, just to kind of wipe stuff with. You got to have that. Mashed potatoes for sure, too. Too many starches. Entirely too many starches. I'll put the cookie cake in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Everybody meet up at Southern High School parking lot at 530. Bring your favorite dish. And, uh, We'll get run off by 545 probably by the police out there. Good stuff there. We'll get into final thoughts in real quickly. We've gone a little longer than we normally do today, but we shared some really good things with you all. I think it's some, had some fun here. So uh, final thoughts. Uh, let's go ahead and start out with you on the final thoughts case. What you got for me? Uh, my final thought is the interesting rowing scheduling announcement that they put out, announcing that they were unveiling their 2020 and 2021 schedule. Um which starts on February 19th of 2021. They really could have just gone with the 2021 schedule. Um, I get that it's this school year and that it normally would have started already, but let's call it what it is. It should be interesting. They're going to presumably fit in a lot of a lot of events uh, leading up to the to the ACC and NCAA championships in May. Um, so that should be fun and exciting. Probably better to to boat in March than November, I guess. The only reason I can think they could do that is, is they do have some fall rowing as well. So maybe they didn't want to confuse that with the 21-22 schedule. Okay. Did oh, you have sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I, I understand the point of the of keeping the season in check. It's just, just it, yeah. it was a funny phrasing to me. Well, we certainly enjoyed the rowing the time Jeff and I covered it live down there for sure. A good time. Jeff, your final thoughts? Yeah, just uh, you know, kind of revisit the idea of wishing Amina Ekic well and and uh, in the in the draft. And uh, I I hope um, like like I think all of us do that she ends up here in Louisville. Um, so I can go watch her on the next level. Yeah, certainly would be a fun to see her in the next level and see her as a Cardinal mm-hmm. or playing down at Louisville FC. That would be mm-hmm. fun. I'd certainly enjoy that a lot. All right, Jared, what do you got for me, final thought-wise? 
Yeah, being the big Star Wars nerd that I am, I thought uh, The Mandalorian Season 2 was was quite excellent. I know they just wrapped up the, the final episode of it yesterday uh, with uh, some hints of more big, cool Star Wars projects to come, so I'm excited to see where they go with all of it. Yeah, it could be an interesting thing to follow for sure. Daryl, some final thoughts from you? I'm just excited basketball's back. Got the cards on right now against Wisconsin, which we heard that Carly Jones is out, so I'm a little nervous about that, but glad it's back. It's been like a month since we've had a game, and I hope the women's game comes back pretty soon, but I, like we said earlier in the show, I think it'll be 2021 before we see them back out on the court, so I just hope everybody has a warm and safe and a good Christmas. Yeah, because uh, technically we will have one more show if we decide to do one the day after Christmas. I'll kind of talk to you guys about that later on, and we'll have the announcement. But uh, yeah, we got to sing "Happy Birthday" on air to case that day. Oh, we definitely, <laughs> definitely do. And I'm going to do, uh, bring in uh, the Agape Singers to do that in five part harmony. This is my some of my final thoughts. Is I'm so ready for 2020 to be over with and 2021 yeah. to start for. Uh, there to be some some light at the end of the tunnel, to be some hope in the despair and darkness we got right now for you know, just a chance for us to kind of say, you remember when things were rotten instead of having to say, man, things are still rotten. Okay. So my final thoughts there, but we will in all probable see you all next week here on the Final Couple Radio Hour. And if you know something we don't, let us know. We always appreciate that. Until then, I hope everybody has themselves a merry little Christmas and a safe, silent night. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a rating or review and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. We're available on all of the major podcast players. And be sure to check out the site at cardinalcouple.com for the daily column bringing you the joy and excitement of mobile women's athletics. Thank you.